This week's podcast brought to you by Gynecology and Ophthalmology. Our eight-year-old asked me uh, on Groundhog Day. She said, we were driving, she said, Dad, do people, uh, do people celebrate Groundhog Day? Do they have parties like for Groundhog Day? And I said, I'm not sure what they would do at a Groundhog Day party. I don't think so. And she said, well, you know, like uh, eat a groundhog. <laughs> and I said, uh, not that I'm aware of. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, if this podcast ends up being a little shorter than usual, you have to fly out today, Tuesday, to San Francisco. You're doing something a little different than usual. You're calling a, an NBA game, Golden State Warriors, San Antonio Spurs, right? Yeah, it's. Um, I'm really excited about it. ESPN once a year does what they call their crossover coverage, where they send um, NBA announcers to cover college games and then college announcers to cover an NBA game. So this is my first time ever calling an NBA game, the first time I've ever been a part of the crossover coverage so yeah, it's a little bit different. I will have 24 and a half hours in San Francisco because I land, I think, at like midnight tonight and then my red eye takes off again at 12.40 a.m. after the game. But uh, I can't wait. Our eight-year-old this morning was saying, you know, how she was disappointed that I was leaving or that I was going to miss this or that. And our 12-year-old kept saying, whenever our eight-year-old would, would complain, our, our 12-year-old would say, yeah, but she gets to see Golden State play. Yeah, but she gets to see Golden State play, so uh, our 12-year-old at least thinks it's kind of cool. It's sort of the sports Beatlemania of, of our time, but having said that, do you feel in any way that it's it's a step down for you calling uh, NBA or men's basketball? Yeah, of course it is. You know, WNBA is the is the height of heights, and and with along with NCAA women's basketball. But it'll be fun. I'm the play-by-play person is Dave Pash. I've worked with Dave a couple times over the last couple of years, including a few years ago, there was a game uh, USC at Stanford. And Dave, I worked with Dave Passion, Bill Walton, and that was an experience. And then I'm working with Mark Jones. I'm sorry, with uh, Mark Jackson, who is the analyst who, you know, I've, I've never worked with before. So that will be a lot of fun. And speaking of travel, you're flying again this week, as you have every week for the last couple of months. Um, I don't think we've talked about this. We haven't talked about this. But I noticed when you unpacked your bag from your travels this past week, there was a, there was a, a Delta postcard on the counter. Did some... Somebody, a Delta flight attendant perhaps, or somebody write, hand write you a postcard and hand it to you on the airplane? I was flying home. It was from Louisville. On my flight from Atlanta to Hartford, I slept the whole way. It was an early morning flight. But when I got off the flight, um, a flight attendant just handed me a postcard in an envelope. And when I got home, I read it. And um, it was just this very sweet note from, from the female flight attendant. And um, I, I'm wishing that she had engaged me in conversation for, you know, even if it was briefly on the plane, because I didn't read the note until I got home or I would have um, I would have had a chance to talk to her a little bit but more. I, I read the note only because it was on a postcard. I would never read your mail. I would never have any interest in reading your mail. But because it's a postcard, um, I think that's fair game. When people send a postcard, it's open. Right? That's the, yeah, that's like any that's for anybody to yeah, read. The, a postcard. the mail carrier yeah. clearly reads every postcard that's in the mail, wouldn't you think? Um, if I were one, I would sure. I, would, I think it would depend on what the picture was and, and if there was anything that made it look like it was worthy of reading because they've got to get a ton of postcards in the mail. Well, you know, they hold the, the envelopes up to the light to see what's in there, don't you? Don't you assume? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's what they're doing instead of just delivering mail so they can be done with their shit. Well, I, I, I'm pretending that we're living in an age where people are writing long handwritten right. letters to other people. But um, but it, no, it was, a lovely, it was a lovely postcard. And for all of the complaining we do about travel on this a podcast. It's nice to represent the other side for a second, right? Yeah, without question. Especially I wasn't supposed to be on that flight um, from Louisville. I was supposed to fly home through Chicago. 
And um, the day before my flight, the day of the game, I get a notice that my flight had been canceled. So I had to scramble to um, to try to get home, and uh, which was difficult because there was so much air traffic going through Atlanta for the Super Bowl. Anyway, so I wasn't even supposed to be on that flight. I was. The flight attendant was gracious and kind and lo- lovely. So in the grand scheme of things, I was meant to be on that flight with that flight attendant. If only you could have warned those travelers flying into Atlanta for the Super Bowl that uh, it wouldn't be worth their time. Right. It would be the most boring, tedious, poorly played Super Bowl in recent memory. Was it poorly played or was it just really well no, played defense? It was well played defensively, I suppose, but that should be overcome by good offense. I watched. It was not, to put it mildly. I watched the first half. I watched every snap of the first half. I watched the entire halftime. I watched, I think, half of the third quarter, and then it was time to put our eight-year-old to bed. And as often happens, perhaps what happens every single time I put her to bed, I fell asleep while I was putting her to bed, and when I woke up, the Super Bowl was over. Yeah, that, that does happen every single time. And uh, the, the highlight of the day for me was was when our doorbell rang Sunday morning. And a month and a half ago, a high school kid came by collecting uh, fundraising for her sports team. And the fundraiser was a great fundraiser. They were selling grinders um, to be delivered on Super Bowl Sunday. And I remember that they hadn't passed between that and Super Bowl Sunday when I didn't think about those grinders being delivered. And sure enough, at like 10 a.m., the doorbell rang, and there she was to deliver three grinders that we cut up into smaller pieces and um, to save for the Super Bowl. And and all of those pieces were gone long before Super Bowl kickoff. Yeah, you gobbled them up. Um, one, one thing that was interesting for me as I was preparing for this game that I'm going to do tomorrow night, this NBA game, is that I was watching more local NBA telecasts than I normally would. You know, we might have a ESPN or Turner game on, but I don't watch the local telecast. But I was preparing for a game and it was San Antonio playing at Phoenix. And um, so it was the Phoenix local telecast. And it was unbelievable because every single time a Phoenix player made a three, the play-by-play guy had to say, proud to own the three-point zone, Fulton Home donates $100 to Sun Charities. And there was a ton of threes made in the first quarter. So possession after possession, the poor play-by-play guy, as soon as he would make the call, he would have to throw in, proud to own the three-point zone, Fulton Home donates $100 to Sun Charities. And I was just thinking, this is what local sports telecasts have come to. You can't even just you know, put up a logo on the screen or, you know, all NBA teams now have the the sponsor logo on the top left of their jersey. But the poor play-by-play guy (laughs) has to make these inane calls. And that one was especially long. And I know Phoenix isn't good this year, but in this quarter that I was watching, they made a ton of threes. And it was just like over and over and over again, he was was saying this. That's not great, but it it hasn't come to that. It has always been that in some ways. So when the Yankees would hit a home run in the 1950s, Mel Allen would describe it as a Ballantine blast because Ballantine was their beer sponsor. Um, So, and I've loved those kind of local sponsorship things uh, throughout baseball anyway. Um, when, When Queen Elizabeth II visited Baltimore in the 80s, I think she actually went out to see the Orioles play, attended an Orioles game. John Miller at the time, the Orioles announcer, said he would like to have her into the booth to read the SK Meets out-of-town scoreboard. Alas, that, that never happened, but uh, but I do love those, those sponsorship ties. Well, in baseball, it's a little bit less in your face, though, because a home run happens every so often. A double play or any other sponsored play happens every so often. But especially nowadays in the NBA, three-pointers are happening all the time. And for it to be this long of a read, even if it was just, you know, that three was presented by Fulton Home, but to have this ridiculously wrong, long read that the play-by-play guy had to, had to give, it was just... Absurdly <laughs> intrusive, obviously. Yeah, yeah. and but, but for me, it was my one local Phoenix game, Phoenix telecast that I was watching for the people who live there, who watch every single one of their games on their, on on local TV. It must just get overwhelming. I, I, I would like to see that carried over to the national level and maybe even retrofit into uh, YouTube videos of past uh, sports highlights. So, uh, you know, do you believe in miracles? Miracle whip. Right. You know, <laughs> when mayonnaise just won't do. 
Oh, uh, how would perfect. Suitably how perfect would that In be? fact, that would have been perfect for the Miracle on Ice because it would have been the U.S. triumphing over the Soviet Union. It would have been crass commercial capitalism stomping on on uh, the communists. That would actually be a really funny Super Bowl commercial if they did take some of the most iconic calls from, from play-by-play people and just totally commercialize them. Speaking of commercials, again, I only saw the first two and a half quarters of the Super Bowl, but to me, by far, the best one was the NFL 100 commercial that had all of the star players at the I don't know exactly what that was, that award ceremony or whatever, but um, that commercial was really, really well done. I, none of the other ones were, other than the, the, was it Chunky Milk? That was the only yeah, other commercial that, that, was, uh, that was memorable the to kids, me. The kids, that was, that was our seventh grader's favorite commercial, and her, class, her classmates, they thought that was the best commercial. Our, our fifth grader's uh, classmates, the boys anyway, thought that the that NFL 100 commercial was, was the best. Yeah, so for I sure. take their word for it. Yeah. I mentioned that I was in Louisville the past week. Um, Louisville beat UConn for the second time in the program's history, the first time since 1993. I remember the 1993 game fondly because I was on the UConn team that lost to Louisville. It was the first round of the NCAA tournament. It was actually the second round, but back in those days, certain teams got buys and we had a buy, so we lost to Louisville. That was also the back-to-back of the last time the UConn program has lost back-to-back games was in 1993. And again, I was on that team. But it's uh, it's been such a fun season in women's college basketball because for the first time in a really long time, we don't have the one super dominant team, an undefeated team. You know, now NC State lost to North Carolina this past weekend, so they're not undefeated anymore. And um, UConn's ranked fifth now. I had somebody send me a message on Twitter saying Marquette is creeping up to UConn because Marquette's ranked eighth and UConn is fifth. But uh, for people who have ever in the past, you know, found women's basketball less than filled with drama because you always had kind of one team that was so overwhelmingly dominant and better than everyone else, that is absolutely not the case this year and it's going to be a really really fun NCAA tournament and fun rest of the regular season well funny you mentioned that it's not funny you mentioned that of course you would mention that but I'm going to pull this out of the viewer mail pile just because it's what we're talking about our resident our resident educator excuse me Lauren uh, writes good morning last night's game between Louisville and UConn was amazing what a great atmosphere and win Rebecca does the constant up and down of this year's field of teams get you excited about March to me it's super exciting Lauren writes thinking that anybody could take home the title. Also, thank you for talking with me and snapping a picture. Do you remember this? Of course I do. I finally got to meet our resident educator. I wouldn't forget that. Between the win, meeting you, and reconnecting with an old college teammate who asked if I was watching this game, I was super hyped. It was a good thing we had a two-hour delay on Friday because sleep eluded me for a long time. Rebecca, I hope you were able to make your flight. You did. We've just described that. Can't wait to hear the Uber confession from your time in Louisville. Did you take an Uber in Louisville? I did. I took a couple Ubers. I told Lauren that I had a good confession um, that I was going to give on the pod today. I don't know if it's good or not, but it was interesting. But yeah, Lauren, I looked um, after the game. I'm talking to some people, and all of a sudden I look over. Never met Lauren, but she has sent via Twitter pictures in the past. And so I recognized her immediately, and um, it was great to see a friendly face, even though a friendly face just through you know, these Gmail or, or email and Twitter interactions. But it was great to meet Lauren. It was an exciting game. She was wearing her Louisville stuff, so she clearly was happy with the outcome of the game. And, I hate, uh, she says, I hate that I didn't get to meet Holly Rowe. Was Holly covering the game? Yeah, Holly was covering the How game. How did you I, not uh, broker that? Um, she didn't ask. If Lauren had said I would like to meet Holly Rowe, I would have um, I would have grabbed Holly because Holly wasn't far away and uh, would have been happy to introduce her. Well, since Lauren mentioned it, why don't we go off base here a little bit, go off schedule, and right now do our Uber driver confession. He drives part-time, it's not his chosen profession, but it gives him a chance to share his life's lessons. It's time for the segment we call Uber Confessions. I think it's clear to anybody who has listened more than once, or even once, <laughs> that, we that don't this have a is schedule. entirely by the seat of the pants, yes. When I arrived in Louisville, I got an Uber. It was late at night, needed to go to the hotel. My flight had been delayed, whatever. Anyway, the gentleman picked me up and uh, and along our drive, of course, he was talking about weather because that's what people do. And um, he was telling me about a, a giant storm that happened in 1993, 94, 
or a couple years after. He, he was regaling me with a tale. I need to go back and do some research to find out if any of this is true. He was said he in, regaling you about a gale? <laughs> this no. was weather, right? But in the, according to him, in 1993-94 in Louisville, the, the city of Louisville decided to get rid of all of its snow equipment. And then a year or two later, they had a huge storm, 15 inches of snow, and it shut down the whole city for a week because a couple of years before that, the city of Louisville had gotten rid of all of their snow equipment. And he said, but UPS is based there and that UPS told the city, this will never happen again or we will move our headquarters. And he said, so now we have some of the, we our, our snow removal is top notch. So I don't know if any of those things are true. I don't know. I can't imagine the city of Louisville got rid of all of its snow removal equipment. I don't know if, if there was the storm that he claims. I don't even know if UPS is actually headquartered there. Did you ask, but, did you think to ask the Uber driver, would you BS? <laughs> about UPS? UPS? No, I, I should have. And um, and then my faith was shaken a little bit more in the um, the truth of this story when, as we're driving, I asked him, um, you know, how, how have the Louisville men been doing, the men's basketball team? And he said, I haven't heard, but they're on their head. Um, they're in rebuild mode. And then when I was checking into the hotel. A um, hotel was a place that actually had scores scrolling on this um, electronic board in the lobby. And I saw that Louisville men were ranked 15th at the time. So I don't know if a single thing that my driver said to me was true or Did not. Did he take you to the right de- destination? He took me to the right destination. He drove safely. He was pleasant. Now, I have a second Uber confession. Well, may I just interject before yes. you do? I don't want to interrupt. I'm going to interject. Can okay. I oh, I like that. Okay. That's better. Yes. Um, Tom of Tom, Dick, and Harry, my brother, once worked for UBS, the bank, and uh, not UPS, not the, UPS, but UBS. UBS, yes. And one of his colleagues told him early on in his tenure there, Tom, without you, it's all BS. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, so I, I, I'm I'm not sure exactly how to tell this second Uber confession, other than to say I'm I took notes as it was happening, because my um, my driver was I found to be a little bit racist. Um, he was a man in his 80s, but since he was driving me um, maybe the 12 or 13 minute ride from my hotel to the airport, it was 4.30 in the morning. What do you do when you're in a car at the mercy of someone and they're saying things that are appalling? And you can't, you can't, um, you can't fling yourself out the door. At no, you can't even ask you're, him you're to pull. Hostage to his, his can't uh, ask him to pull over or on the side of the uh, you know, to the side of the highway. So, I should have known the second he he pulled up, there was there was another car like in the valet area of the hotel. The driver pulled up and I got in. And he pointed to the the other car and he said, look at that Hoosier. He's coming here to steal our business. There's Ubers that are coming in from Indiana. And I said, "Um, actually, that's a rental car that that gentleman was staying at the hotel. And he's also headed to the airport, which I had sussed out when I was waiting for my Uber because the guy circled the block a couple times because he couldn't find the entrance to the hotel. So that was his first thing. And then he just started talking. I it was 4:30 in the morning. I would have been content to be have the car be silent. I did not solicit any of this conversation, um but he just started talking and he told me that um he was originally a trucker from western New York and he somehow ended up in Louisville. He said he was nearing retirement, but he needed to get a, a few more hours in order to somehow get fully invested in his retirement. He said, so I made a run to Nashville, which I don't know how far the drive is from Louisville to Nashville. And he said, in that time, my wife died and my dog ran off when he was making the run to Nashville so he could get enough hours for retirement. And he said, I should have wrote a country song about it. So at least he had a sense of humor that in that time, his wife died and his dog ran off. And then I didn't his say a word. His dog run off? His dog run off. And then... uh as I'm just sitting there not saying anything and he, he just kept talking and he said that all of his relatives are dead. He said he has uh, th- he had three sisters and a brother. As he put it, they're all gone by the wayside. And then he started telling about his one sister. He said she got sick when she was a, a month old. She was happy, but she was, um, the word he used, well, the R word, I don't even like to say it. So she was happy, but she was that. 
says she died when she was 50. She was a gorgeous baby. She was a good, good girl. And, uh, and anyway, I'm just sitting there like, okay, I, I don't quite know what to do other than to be quiet until we get to the airport. How old did you say this guy was? Well, and then he said to me, he said, I'm in my 80s, but I don't want to retire. Um, and uh, he said, I like Uber. He said, they don't pay anything, but I like Uber because I don't want to retire. What do, what do I do? Like, when you're that person in the car, what do you do? At 4.30 in the morning, you, you, other just then sit there quietly, completely uncomfortable, counting the seconds until you get dropped off at the airport. You do exactly what you did, unless you want to give them a piece of your mind as you get right. out of the car. Right. I know. But you then you feel complicit for not giving them a piece of your mind because you just sat there and listened to all of this. So well, anyway, uh, that, in the future, that was you my... hope you don't get in an 85-year-old Uber driver. Uber Confessions. Shall we open Denny's old curiosity shop? Let's open the curiosity shop. When the meets this is from producer Denny Gallagher. Denny with one N, shop with two P's and an E. Denny says, happy Tuesday. Uh, in light of Tom Brady winning a sixth championship, I saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is auctioning off a few of his Lakers championship rings. Is there a time in life when things that the rest of the world considers memorabilia become less important? Rebecca, I know uh, you have an answer for this. Well, does it be, does it become less important to the person who's actually won it or less important to the fans? Like, if if Kareem is auctioning off some of his rings, like, I wonder if if they're more valuable, are they more valuable now than they were five or ten years ago to other people? Well, no. I mean, what I think is... is He's saying is, you know, can you part with these things that that are hard won and precious memories? But of course, selling or auctioning your championship rings uh, doesn't doesn't you're not auctioning off those experiences and those things still happened. You're just auctioning off stuff. And we've right. talked in the past about how much stuff everybody has, or at least we have, and much of your stuff is in boxes or in in a vault somewhere. Yeah, and like those kind of things, I, I don't ever look at them. Um, I don't ever show them to people. We have them, and I assume at some point maybe one of our kids will want to have it. But yeah, they don't really, like they're neat to have, but they don't, really don't mean a lot. And your kids won't want to have anything when they're in their 20s and moving around to places in the right. They won't want anything in their 30s. It's only, only when, in my case, only when I'm no longer their favorite living sports writer right and become like their second favorite deceased sports writer will they even think about any of this stuff right. if even that right and um well it's interesting because when you're inducted into the basketball hall of fame you get a ring and one of the things that that happens when you're flown to whichever city the men's final four is in and that's where they make the pl- public announcement of who is being inducted into the basketball hall of fame in your case it was phoenix in 2017 yeah right? i flew in from dallas it was in phoenix but before we went to the press conference before we did anything i was given paperwork and one of the things i had to sign was a notice saying that i would not sell the uh, hall of fame ring I believe it was also that I would not sell the jacket, but the big one was the ring. And um, one of the reasons for that is some people who had been inducted into the Hall of Fame in the past, um, you know, were in some financial straits. And so I think they pretty much immediately uh, sold their ring because they needed the money for it. But um, I was I w- before anything else, you sign a piece of paper that that says you will not sell your Hall of Fame ring. So. Ellie's will have to tell tell the kids that. I wonder if the kids can sell it. If you, if you can't sell your Hall of Fame ring, but if one of the one of your Does, people that the, you're was there a clause in there, your could, kids can't pawn it. Yes, in in perpetuity, they are not allowed to to send it to the pawn shop. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as that stuff goes, like you know, it's cool when you see Tom Brady do you know when they do the commercials or whatever else when he's taking off all his rings. Gino Oriama did a really funny thing a couple of years ago at UConn where he had you know, 10 rings on his fingers. But other than when you do that kind of stuff, you know, I don't, I bet most people don't have them on display anywhere. They're just somewhere collecting dust in their house. The other day I picked up our, our high schooler and uh, took her to lunch and it was a cold day. It was one of the brutally cold days we've had around here. So, you know, I don't know, maybe it was in the teens, 
temperature wise. And when I picked her up, she wasn't wearing her coat. She just had on her sweatshirt. And um, I was picking her up from school, taking her to get something to eat quickly, right to bring her back for her for her game. And anyway, I had on my long North Face black winter coat that is very, very warm. And she got in the car and I said, where's your coat? She said, I'll tell still in my locker. And then she, uh, she felt the need to say to me, that's such a mom coat. And I just looked at her. I said, oh, really? This is a mom coat. I said, what makes it a mom coat? She said, well, moms wear black long coats. She said, that's, that's what makes it a mom coat. And uh, I said, you know what else I am while I'm wearing this mom coat? I said, I'm warm. And, uh, and then a little bit later when we were waiting to get our food, I said to her, I said, you know what this mom coat would look really good with? I said, mom jeans. Um, anyway, she, she was getting tired of me as I continued to bring up um, the mom coat. And, and so finally, in her very high, high school freshman way, she said, it clearly bothered you because you keep bringing it up. And I said, okay. It clearly bothered me that you called my awesome, warm, wonderful coat and I'm, a mom coat. I'm sure she said that with delight that she could get your goat like right. that. But she, but get it your was coat like that, uh, right exactly. And I said to her, I said it's. I said it's just. It's so absurd. Uh, I I'm just enjoying the uh, this whole thing. But they're they're really all of them are now at an age where they can figure out what what gets your goat and even kind of uh, do impersonations of of us and characterize us in ways that are both uh, um, slanderous and inaccurate. Devastating in that way. And um, last week, I think it was, you were going out of town, and our eight-year-old was not happy about it. And I said, "Yeah, mom's going out of town, but look, you still have dad." And she said, "Oh, angrily, great, dad. All he does is sit around, play piano, and read his weird books." <laughs> and to I said, which you responded, "What? Fair enough." <laughs> Uh, did she say while well, wearing his dad jeans or his dad coat? And then our, our seventh grader said um, the other day when you're out of town or you're working that night or something, she said, um, uh, we were watching a show, Great uh, Escape to the Continent on Netflix. People from the UK uh, move to continental Europe and start new lives, often opening, opening a bed and breakfast or a French gite, a word that we love. And, um, you know, some retire. And this couple was, were retiring to France or Spain. I can't remember what. And, uh, and our seventh grader said, oh, I want to go to the French countryside and, and stay in a gite. And, um, and I said something about it. And, and I said, and I, like that guy, want to retire. And she said, oh, really? Retire from what? <laughs> she said, let's face it. You can do your work until you die because and she picked up a laptop theatrically brought it over to me i was lying on the couch handed it to me and said there you're working (laughs) to which i said fair enough yes fair enough um fair enough incidentally while we're talking about stuff that the kids have said recently last night at our uh high schoolers uh, basketball game we were at a doubleheader at a JV game, then a varsity game, and we were sitting under the scoreboard, and the buzzer was so excruciatingly loud, and the person operating the scoreboard would buzz it twice um, at the end of timeouts and whatnot. And our son was plugging his ears each time, but it still wasn't wasn't enough. And finally, he said to me gave me his idea for a children's book, which I think is solid gold. And I'm going to get, throw it out there anyway. So feel free to steal this idea. I'd, I'd rather read it, I suppose, than write it. But um, the buzzer broke my brain <laughs> about the, the boy who had to go to all of his siblings' basketball games and sit under that infernal scoreboard. The complaints that um, came from him when I told him yesterday that he had to go to another high school basketball game. Two more. And he said, Dad promised that we didn't have to go to any more games. And I said, I don't think Dad promised that because he knows that that's uh, not going to happen. But I actually much prefer the scoreboards that have the loud buzzer to the ones, like the little portable ones they use at youth games where the buzzer just goes beep. Like a tea kettle going on. Yeah. 
because you can never the referees can never hear that and then if you want to put a sub in and you know it's just beep then I have to yell at the top of my lungs um, sub and that's how I you know when I lose my voice once a year and it, it and inevitably happens once a year it's because I'm yelling while I'm coaching basketball and it's dumb things like having to yell sub because the little mini scoreboard sounds like a tea kettle so I would uh, rather have it break my brain still the uh, the timid buzzer is better than the timid whistle oh that there's nothing I'm not talking about the timid whistle my the pub that I'm opening right in England in my in my retirement I'm talking about the the youths the youths who rough basketball and and blow the whistle too yeah, soft. I, I think we've talked we've about this talked about this but the one thing I will say to young refs like the high school kids if they're doing a youth game is I don't care what you call but if you want to make a call blow the whistle don't do the little blow the whistle so at least the play stops and then you can figure out you can call whatever you want I don't care but I hate that little tweet and then nobody even has heard it so the kids continue to play blow it with authority sell your call if you're a 12 year old umpire at youth baseball and the ball is thrown over the backstop and you've called it a strike sell that as a strike yeah just you do the, do the strike dance whatever you need to do but just do it with authority when when i was in louisville after the game bef- i think this was before i saw a resident educator but a, a guy came over and was talking to me and just said hello i think it was just hello can i have your picture and then as we're getting our picture taken together he said to me i remember you from the 90s <laughs> That, that's how we met. That was my pickup line, was it not? <laughs> so, well, it, since it was still the 90s, yes. yeah. Yes, I remember you from the 90s. Actually, no, we we met in the 2000s. But yeah, so I just looked at him and said, thank you. <laughs> this, this happened in Louisville? In Louisville. As said, he asked me for 90s. my picture. As someone's taking our picture together, he said to me, I remember you from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly sure what that meant. Was he startled to see you in the 21st century? That I'm still alive? I, I really simply don't know. <laughs> really, it was kind of uh, uh, rude of you to, to remain upright and, and the, you know what, that's, walking around in the 21st century. That's what I should have said to the uh, to my Uber driver, but of course I would have meant the 1890s. Oh, you should have said, I look forward to having you drive me in your 90s right. <laughs> when I come back to Louisville next year. Exactly. Shall we get to viewer mail? Let's get to viewer mail. Big bad hook, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Our first viewer mail doesn't come into ballandchainpod at gmail.com. It didn't come into Twitter. What's that handle? At ballandchainpod. It came in, you're going to love this, by snail mail. It was mailed to us? It was mailed to us. In a sealed and stamped envelope on a business letterhead. So not a postcard that the mailman was reading. No, no but I, I would think that he would have would have felt this envelope, held it up to the light to see what magical thing was inside, and he would not have been disappointed. Shall I read? Yes, please. This comes from, well, I'll, I'll, uh, it'll be clear who it comes from in a moment. Steve, several years ago, our practice had a bunch of croquis made up as a giveaway item for some event. When I learned that you were croquiless, I searched the storage closet at work and found a croquis to send your way. I hope it will relieve the stress on your ear muscles while running and stabilize your glasses while playing hall ball against your son. I recall the last time your glasses were broken by Rebecca. It was quite an ordeal, taking several months before you got new ones. Enjoy. And this letter comes from Dr. George, my monocle dealer in Columbus, and enclosed in that envelope, as the mail carrier would surely have seen, is a black croquis with comprehensive eye care of Central Ohio on the back and its phone number. Well, do you think I can post a sadly picture? Not, sadly not its fax number, nor its telex You think I can post a picture of that? Uh, maybe they think that they'd be all right with their phone number and stuff being out there. Maybe I'll just take a picture of the back this is of it. What, this is what the whole point of it was, was right. to advertise its phone number. I will post no, a picture. No, they would be uncomfortable if you posted the phone number on Twitter, but very comfortable if it were on the croaky right. of the 50-year-old guy shooting threes at the YMCA. Well, I will post on Twitter um, the picture of the croaky. I just like the thought that your your monocle dealer now has sent you a monocle he's, and a croquis. He's, he's the two mon- things that are completely incompatible right. with one another that you can get from the same the same he's, ophthalmologist. I've just I've just I don't know if it's an upgrade or maybe more of a lateral move, but I've, uh, he's now my my croquis dealer. 
how great would it be as I'm thinking about it if somebody <laughs> wore a monocle like an eye patch instead of you know squinting to keep it in their eye they had a elasticized rubber band or something that went around their head they so they wore the monocle but it was on a string around their head like an eye patch well, i think th- th- i think that should be your look that would be awesome the the, the pirate's monocle yeah <laughs> there's another there's an there, maybe that's the sequel to the buzzer broke my brain right um our seventh grader was asking me about this this medieval device, the croaky, last night, and she put she was wearing her glasses at the time, and she put them on, and she was delighted by them. Was walking around, shaking her head violently to try to get her glasses to move. They wouldn't, and she thought it was ingenious. It is ingenious. And George, thank you so much. I was thrilled to get this, and uh, really do appreciate it. Thank you, George. I can't wait till uh, Steve and I go running at some point, and he's. Wearing his croquet oh, glasses. Be, that will be very soon. I, I sent a photo of, of this to producer Denny Gallagher in New Jersey when, when this came in uh, last week. And he said, imagine if we had luxury car dealer listeners. And he was mentioning these various things. And and I said, no, I, I, I like that our correspondents are in gynecology and ophthalmology. And, and then I, that occurred to me that that would be a ready-made uh, podcast title. And, uh, and probably the name of a good rap album as well. And I have to say that out of those two, I'm glad it's the ophthalmologist that is sending the gifts <laughs> and not Dr. Gary well, Siegel. Well, Dr. Gary Siegel is sending us gifts each week in the form of emails. This email comes to ballandchainpod at gmail.com. And he actually sent three emails this week. Only two, only one of them was for, for our listeners' ears, however. The other two were just were, for us. Were just for us. Um, one of them, I don't think he'll mind me saying, uh, detailing that he will never uh, tell the, uh, was it parsley joke? Yes. Um, he's, he's too discreet for that, and it's, it's, it's probably appalling. But kudos to him. Kudos to him. But it occurred to me that I think I'm sure we've gotten two e- emails from him in the past, but never three separate emails. And you know what that makes this? The tertiary email? A flock of seagulls. Oh no! <laughs> but uh, but Dr. Siegel writes. He's got he's got a, a, a four or five pronged uh, recap of, of various issues from previous. But I'll get to them quickly. One gate B thirty three in Atlanta is about as far away from the central core of escalators as possible. You would know that better than anybody, Rebecca. B thirty three is yes, it's far from the central core. That is accurate. Dr. Siegel asks Steve if you had a dog with you, a, a an emotional support cello or or a dog requiring a relief. You, you passed the dog canine relief area in an airport recently. Yes. Uh, and picked up the poop. Would you walk it down the concourse to the food area? I'm confident Rebecca has groomed you such that you would find a closer depository. Oh, so that's what it is? It's where you bring the bags of, of poop for the dog? Sure. What else could it possibly be? I don't know. I, I figured it was a... I, I, a day you know, spa? I, I don't know. But you know what? Would you walk all the way down there, or would you just drop it in one of nobody, the trash bins? Of course, in, you know that nobody court. has ever walked it all the way down there. Three terminals down, or something. There's no chance that's happening. Um, and I think Atlanta has, or maybe not. There's, you know, the airports that have the weird trash cans where you put the you put your stuff in the trash, and then you hear it like being compacted yeah. in the can. Um, that would be a gross place to put the dog. Matter. Two, and I love this sort of inside baseball stuff. We're talking about gynecology and ophthalmology. Two, you touched on Howie Mandel and surgical scrub solutions, a topic that is up my alley, as it were. Uh, for you, <laughs> he doesn't say as it were. I, gonna, I say no, as it were. Either way, uh, uh, up my alley yes, is not a not phrase that someone in his profession should yes. use. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be hearing from him on that. For years, for years, prior to surgery, we scrubbed with Povidone iodine solution, commonly known as betadine. Brushes for around five minutes. Over time, other newer brush-based scrub solutions were invented. Other brush-based scrub solutions. That has to be worked into a Phoenix Suns uh, promotional broadcast. Right, exactly. Uh, were invented. And for me, they've been gentler on my hands, which is not a trivial concern for anyone who scrubs in surgery. More recently, waterless, brushless, and usually alcohol-based products have been introduced. And for some, they're quite harsh on the hands. That may explain Howie Mandel's problem. Do, do people know what Howie Mandel's problem was? 
Um, it, it just it irritated his skin. Because he's a germaphobe and he's, and he he's was, surgically scrubs. Yeah, yeah he was using um, a solution that a surgeon friend had given him that surgeons use when they scrub. Uh, just on the topic of the Super Bowl, he mentions having attended the Super Bowl in 1994 at the Georgia Dome. Uh, tickets courtesy of his favorite sports writer, Uncle Morris, Mo Siegel, of blessed memory of the Washington Star. Steve, he says, you are my favorite living sports writer. <laughs> I would ask Dr. Siegel, how can you tell? Well, you are my favorite living sports you. writer. You're, you're my favorite sports writer who, uh, you, even if I counted those that were recently or long ago recently deceased, deceased. So that's you, nice. you, um, you would be still my favorite. Dr. Siegel writes that one of the nursing supervisors at his hospital refers to me as, quote, her favorite living OBGYN, as her favorite, also resting in peace, delivered her children. Finally, uh, we've, we've talked about NECO wafers. First, the, the can, lack I, just, of Valentine- yeah, can I interject something you can, quickly? You can interject. Is yeah. there anything less sincere than the Twitter RIP? No, this, it's, it's, I, could I, I be one of the worst things ever. It, it may be the worst thing. It may be the worst thing ever. And it's usually a vehicle. So when, a, when somebody famous dies, uh, people on Twitter RIP that person, um, usually with some kind of self-aggrandizing sentence that R.I.P. Babe Ruth. Let's pretend Babe Ruth has recently passed away. You know, he once told me that uh, I had the best swing he'd ever seen. Right, right, right. And and I guess it's only appropriate because, you know, days before when that famous person was alive, they were lowercase R.I.P.ing them. Right. And so now that they're now that they're no longer alive, it's rest in peace instead of just ripping them for right, whatever right. they, they formerly had done. Well, Dr. Siegel's older brother is also a fan of the Necco wafers, uh, the Valentine's Day hearts. He tends to give candy to his nieces and nephews as a routine, and the loss of those hearts for 2020 is not good. Uh, however, he has seen Brock's small conversation hearts in a 10-pack at Target. He also has used the car vacuum, as discussed in previous podcasts, to vacuum up his car keys. <laughs> leaving him stranded and calling for help. That's something I would do. I can't believe I haven't done that yet. That is something you do. You, you talk about the Valentine's hearts. So our eight-year-old wanted to um, get Valentine's for the kids in her class. And she started by making Valentine's. And the homemade ones were terrific. But then I think she got a little nervous about it. So yesterday, she really, really wanted to buy ones from the store. Well, there's two things I found interesting as we were looking for Valentine's. One was that they're all sold in packages of 16. So the the manufacturers must have decided that almost every elementary school class is 17 kids or more. So it makes you purchase um, purchase extras. But the other thing that was a little bit annoying was every single one of them were themed for boys or girls. Like you had princess ones or I don't know what else, Star Wars, but there weren't any, that, um, any packages that had two themes that would you know traditionally be you know for boys and girls you had to buy one package of girls and one package of boys uh, but you had to buy two packages anyway because they were all in amounts of 16 in her class like every class of course it's the diabolical that. hot dogs versus hot dog buns conundrum right. kids versus valentine's cards um harold markley harry of tom harold. dick and harry uh writes I laughed about the secondary pantry, especially when Rebecca mentioned that they were created for Costco consumers. We have a shelf unit in our basement that we call the Costco shelf. I imagine a lot of people do. Perfect. Also, while in college heading to a buddy's cabin in northwest Wisconsin, I got daytime headlight flashed by an oncoming driver. I had no idea what was going on until I crossed over the ridge and found a cop waiting for me at the bottom of the hill. Fortunately, I was only received a warning for speeding. I also didn't know until I moved to the East Coast, what the flashing headlights meant. Really? I, really, until I moved to Connecticut, because I didn't, I never drove when I lived in New York. My, my dad is the one who taught me how to drive, but long before I knew how to drive, just as a passenger in the car, when somebody flashed their headlights, he just looked in, over and said to me, um, watch, there's going to be a police officer ahead. That's what that means when someone flashes their headlights. So I can't believe you didn't have anyone in your life that was dropping we, we, that kind of knowledge We didn't on do you. it in, in the Midwest at the time. I, I can promise you that. Um, Dr. Siegel, by the way, if I may just return briefly to the flock Please. of seagulls, uh, had a fifth uh, 
thing here is if a car behind you does not have its headlights on, try turning your headlights on and off a few times rapidly. I guess that will also work for your taillights so the person would see it. No, that's what I've done. That okay. when, Like when I flash somebody with with the lights, I don't flash the high beams, low beams. I turn them on and off. Right, right. But I'm this is for the person behind you. Oh, so okay. uh, I don't think that we'll be seeing flashing signs on fronts or rears of cars anytime soon. Well, I hope you're wrong. I, I, I'd love to see that. Michelle. Uh, in South Carolina, writes, this is the ball and chain pod at gmail.com. I don't know. You'll do some Twitter ones later. Do we have Twitter ones? Okay. Um, no, Twitter was limited this week. So okay. we're just going to So Michelle writes, uh, listening to the discussion on your daughter's your daughter learning the names of the presidents took me back to fifth grade when we had to learn the names of the presidents in order. To date myself, my list ended with, and don't forget Ronald Reagan, parentheses, first term. That doesn't date yourself at all. I, I thought you were going to say like Zachary Taylor or something, you know? <laughs> I, Ronald Reagan first term was the first presidential election. No, second term was the first presidential election that I, I uh, voted in. So, of course, I had to turn off the podcast, Michelle writes, for a minute and go through my list, which I can still to this day recite. I find it amusing. I can remember something like that after all these years, but I need to add notes to my phone to remind me to go run an errand the next day. You know what? That reminds me because our podcast comes out on Wednesday morning. So I think it was last week, Wednesday. It may have been Thursday. We were at our daughter's high school and the athletic director said to me, said, I asked, I asked, I saw your daughter in the hall and I asked her to name the first three presidents. We should give our kids a warning when we've talked about something like that. Cause our daughter was probably like, why is he asking me that? Not knowing that it was because we had talked about ah, it yes. on the podcast. John with no H writes, uh, we spent most of the last week or so dealing with a furnace that randomly worked and didn't work. Yes, including those ridiculously cold days. I don't know where, where John lives, but it took four visits by our heating contractor to finally get it straight. At least we hope so. I write simply to mention that one of the things that may have precipitated the problem was an extremely dirty and clogged filter. Apparently a chore I had put off too long. So I suggest you get the Golux back in basement on a regular basement to keep your furnace filters in tip-top condition the email header was a friendly reminder. Well, I, I don't know if you're aware of this because there's so many things that, that can miss your attention. But um, I had taken one of our clean air filters that is still in the box and I put it in the upstairs hallway at the base of the stairs that you pull down to go into the attic. Because when Mike Golick was here, he, he changed our basement filter, but there's also one in the attic that needs to be changed. So I put that clean filter and do you know what I'm talking about? It's been sitting there, I don't know, for a couple months now. So I think I'm going to have to go back, watch the Golik video, and go change that air filter myself because it's been made clear to me by you that you're not grabbing that air filter and bringing it up to the attic. Do you even know that it's there in the hallway? It's the only thing in the hallway. Just waiting to be brought up to the attic. You're looking at me completely confused. <laughs> Is this where I should say yes, of course, or I'm damned if I do. I'm damned either. I you know you're damned if you don't, and you're damned if you don't. Well, I don't. I can tell you that. You're lauded if you do, and you're damned yes, if you yes, don't. Right. Oh, our resident educator, who we we mentioned earlier in the podcast uh, in Louisville, sends a non-basketball related uh, email here. She says, uh, uh, referring to her own marriage. You mentioned being, was it happily stuck? Was that your phrase? Happily stuck, yes. Okay. Happily stuck with me. That would be another good um, country music song, by the Absolutely. way. Absolutely. So she writes, I think everyone at some point feels stuck, whether happily or unhappily. It comes from the moment you have a mortgage and kids. For us, she and her husband, it's simply the thought of all the paperwork involved. And honestly, that is, and honestly, that is doing the most. I don't have time for that. That's doing the most, I think, to hold them together. That a, that a divorce would take too much paperwork. <laughs> and I don't think there's any question about that. Imagine the, the paperwork. You, you don't think there's any question that, that, that would, that's the thing keeping them or us together? Or just, you, you, don't, you just think that that's, there must be a ton of paperwork. Well, we have mentioned that. in the past that my laziness is, is, a, uh, is keeping us together. It's the one thing that could tear us apart is also the one yes. thing keeping us together. Also, and, and I don't know how many times we're going to have to hear this before we finally break down and, and, and watch, but also, have you all started Maisel yet? The, the marvelous yeah, Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, we have not. I love, 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 love that show. No violence, just lots of jokes. I feel the same way about violence that Rebecca does. After having kids, I became super sensitive to it. Teaching infanticide and other global issues surrounding kids, I get visibly angry in my classes. The kids don't quite know what to do with me on those days. I made the mistake in watching Precious a couple of months ago, after my first, a couple of months after my first was born. Worst decision ever. I have rambled enough for today. 
Lauren? Well, hopefully, um, the past month and a half have been um, very, very busy for me in terms of travel. Um, you know, getting on flights. I've had a ton of flight delays this year, more than I can remember in, in recent history. But anyway, my travel dies down in about a week. And then um, hopefully you and I at some point can sit down and watch. What's it? The fabulous Mrs. Maisel? Marvelous, Maisel? I believe it is. A marvelous Mrs. Maisel. more uh, alliterative than yeah, the fabulous. Yeah, definitely better than fabulous. And finally, Joe writes, Steve and Rebecca, I recently returned from Australia where the ball and chain magnet made a few appearances in Perth, Fremantle, and Brisbane. And he encloses three pictures. Here's the, the ball and chain magnet in front of Story Bridge in Brisbane, Australia. How cool is that? That is awesome. Lovely uh, color photograph in a local pub in Fremantle that maybe he, he has a picture of a local pub in Fremantle that may be infringing on your brand. And that picture is of the Ball and Chain Pub in Fremantle, Australia. Sweet. Well, uh, well, you'll need to get me those pictures so that I can post them on one of our other Absolutely. social media sites. Although, Joe writes, the 1896 date on the Ball and Chain Pub may give them seniority. Just guessing. Perhaps the official ball and chain legal staff can provide a ruling. And finally, he says, please consider my application to be the official travel coordinator for the ball and chain podcast. I believe Denny's mother is our official travel coordinator. Is she not? She is, yes. She is. So I, I would suggest perhaps Joe could have an even better uh, a gig and be the, um, the uh, foreign correspondent, the official foreign correspondent on the ball and chain masthead. I think that would be perfect for Joe. And finally, one from Twitter, which is at Ball and Chain Pod. This came in from Jen with two N's. She said, on your profile page, meaning me, you refer to yourself as Tall Americano. You really should say Tall Americana or Soy Una Americana Muy Alta. Just a small suggestion. Well, the whole point is the, the Starbucks reference. Tall Americano. I don't think they sell Tall Americanas, do they? Talamericani. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't speak. You don't speak Starbuck, um, or soy una americana muy alta, which is I'm a tall, very tall American. But um, anyway, appreciate that from Jen with two ends. Shall we have Tom, Dick, and Hari? Hari, possessor of of a Costco shelf in his basement. Play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.